You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Good morning, church family. Welcome to our online worship service. I know this looks a little bit different. Uh, For one, I'm not Colby, and for two, I am not at our home congregation right now. In fact, it's Wednesday of the week that we are in Impact Houston, and I'm standing here in the Impact Houston Church of Christ Auditorium. Uh, They were gracious enough to let me borrow this this week, and I'm taking just a few minutes to stop and and record this for all of you. I'll be preaching this Sunday as well in person, and so uh, if you're seeing this, uh, we desperately miss you. Uh, We hope to see you again soon, but we hope as well that this online worship uh, is a blessing to you. Before we begin, I would like to share just a short video clip of the stuff that we have had going on this week at Impact Houston. So if you would, check it out. enjoyed that video. Uh, We've had an awesome week. We are truly blessed to be here. I was talking to the people here at Impact and they said that we are actually the first group to come and join them since COVID hit last year. And so we want to praise God for that and thank Him for an awesome trip that we were able to come down here and serve alongside the great folks here at Impact Houston Church of Christ. 
We also want to thank you at home who were able to support us in this trip. We know many of you were praying for us and many of you gave financially for this trip. And a few of us are even here serving alongside the kids. And we are just so grateful that we have a church body uh, that cares not only about our community, but also the communities around the world. And thank you so much for your support. As I was making this video, I couldn't help but have my lesson that I'm preaching today in the back of my mind. And I've thought about how I can connect the two. And really, I have to be honest and say that it would have probably been better for me to preach last Sunday when our topic was rejected service and connect the fact that we are here serving uh, together in Impact Houston, along with the scriptures that Jackson used last week. But today, the way I'd like to connect that is to simply say, we tend to make highlight videos, if you will, or slideshows to highlight the things that we get to do that builds us up. The service that we get to take part in that is encouraging not only to us, but to those around us. It's the type of things that anyone in the world, whether they're a Christian or not, would look at and say, that's good work. But you know what we don't make highlight videos or slideshows about? The things we're ashamed of. Today, we are talking about rejected shame. As we continue in our rejected series, we are going to take a look at Jesus' betrayal and his crucifixion today. And rather than highlighting the fact that Jesus was rejected and just focusing in on that, we are actually going to look at what Jesus rejected. And that's the shame associated with the cross. I'd like to start by reading a scripture that really came to my mind as I was reading through our text this morning and preparing this lesson. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that? It says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus himself went to the cross, despising its shame. Or as I would like to call it today, he rejected the shame. As we read through our text this morning, I want us to look at all the ways that shame pops up. A key difference between us today and Jesus in that time was we are not so much a shame culture as Jesus and the Hebrews were then. See, in their culture, it was very, very important that you did not bring shame, not only on yourself, but especially on your family, on your friends, and those who associated with you. Today, maybe not so much. We avoid shame, yes, but it's more so because we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to look like we're weak or we're inadequate. And so we avoid shame in that sense. But in Jesus's culture, it was way bigger of a deal. It was way more important for you, not only for yourself, but for the people you associated with to not do anything to bring shame upon you and the people around you. And so we see Jesus the last week of his life as he's going through the temple and cleansing it, as he's being uh, treated with his precious oil, and then as he goes and comes to this point where 
He's betrayed. And finally, at this point, we really start to see shame sink in. If you haven't read our text already, I would encourage you to do so. It's Mark chapter 14, verse 43, through Mark chapter 15, verse 32. If you would, pause the video and come back, and I'll be here ready to continue when you are. In the story of Jesus' betrayal and crucifixion, it starts with Judas showing up. One of Jesus' own followers, he shows up and he tells the guards that are with him, it's the one that I kiss that is the one you should grab. And Judas shows up and Jesus greets him as he always would. Judas kisses him on the cheek and says, my teacher. And Jesus turns to the guards and he says, who are you here for? And they say, we're here for you. Now in this moment, I see the first instance of shame. It's pretty shameful even today for somebody to be arrested for something, to be taken in, to assume that they have done something wrong. And Jesus is there with his followers, and one of them gets upset and says, not while I'm here, you don't. And they cut off the ear of one of the guards. And Jesus, in that moment, may find more shame in the fact that one of his disciples decides to cut off the guard's ear than he does associated with the fact that he's being arrested. We see this by the fact that he takes it and he puts the ear back and he heals him. He says, not like this. And he decides to go with them. And so for the first instance, he chooses to reject the shame associated with being arrested. But it doesn't stop there. From that point on, all the way up through his crucifixion, he has so many things that happen. They spit on him. They beat him. They mockingly accuse him and they mockingly say, prophesy, tell us, Jesus, who is hitting you? And all the while, Jesus bears it. He rejects the shame associated with what's going on with him. The fact that human beings, the people he created, are the ones that are spitting on him and mocking him and degrading him. They're beating the Son of God right there in front of everyone. And what does Jesus do? He takes it. He takes it because he knows what lies ahead of them. And as we continue, he goes in before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate asks him a few questions. And Jesus' response is, just wait. Just wait, because eventually I will be glorified. Eventually I will get through all of this shame, and I will get to the point where I'm victorious. I don't have to fight right now. I don't have to worry about all these shame that you're associating with me. I'm going to reject that shame because I know what glory lies ahead of me. So Pilate does what he has to. He takes Jesus out before the crowds and he says, as is a custom of mine, I would like to release to you a prisoner. Who do you want? Do you want Jesus, who I see no wrong in, or do you want this murderer, Barabbas? And this group of people, spurred on by the Jewish leaders, they chant and they shout, give us Barabbas, give us this known murderer. Allow him back into our midst. How shameful. How shameful that the people around him, the people there would choose this murderer over the Son of God. But Jesus doesn't say a word. Jesus continues to stay focused on what lies ahead of him. 
the joy, the glory that would one day soon be his. From there, Pilate asks, he says, what would you like to do with this man Jesus? And they say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The people who Jesus loves, the people who Jesus came to save, are chanting for his death. How shameful. And so Pilate does what he has to. He gives Jesus over to the guards so that he can be crucified. So then the guards take Jesus. They scourge him. They give him the lashes. They mock him continuously. They put a purple robe on him. They place a crown of thorns on his head and beat it in with a reed. They call him the king of the Jews mockingly. They say, hail the king of the Jews. Not even knowing how true the statement is. And it doesn't stop there. Then they lead him out to be crucified. He falls under the weight of his cross and they force someone else to carry it for him even more shame in their culture. They take him to the hill called Golgotha, a place of the skull. They nail him in to that wooden tree, and they raise him up. As Scripture said, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Praise God that Jesus became a curse for us. And as he's hanging there in pain on that cross, in agony, all of the shame leading up to that moment, and the, there's still more. The people standing around, the people walking by, the Jewish leaders who were there, and even the people being crucified along with him begin to mock him. They begin to say, If you truly are the Son of God, come down from the cross and save yourself. And as he cries out, they continue this mocking. They say, look, he's calling Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes. And then Jesus breathes his last and he gives over his spirit. All of this shame, in their culture especially, all of this shame that leads up to this moment. We like to focus in on the fact that Jesus died for us lovingly. Because of his great love for us, he came and he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus did so much more than that. Jesus not only died for our sins out of love for us, and just as much love that is poured out in the image of the cross, just as much wrath is poured out by God as well. Jesus bears that wrath, but not only that, he also takes on that shame. And as we just read before, he went to the cross. And because of the joy and the glory set before him, he rejected or he despised that shame on our behalf. But what did his followers do? We see a couple of examples here in Scripture. And I'd love for you to go back and read through our section again. Think of all the ways that there is shame associated not only with Jesus, but others in this story. We see the example of the young man who ran away. He fled, leaving his clothes behind. Very shameful in that culture even. 
And then we have the story of Peter. Peter who said, Jesus, no matter what happens, I will never betray you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you will betray me. And so Peter, as he's standing there and he's watching from a close distance, warming himself by the fire, people come up and start asking him, hey, weren't you with that guy? And Peter, for whatever reason, my personal opinion is maybe to some degree he's worried that whatever is going to happen to Jesus will happen to him. But more specifically, what's already happening to Jesus, the shame that Jesus is associated with, that's what Peter's afraid of. Peter looks at what Jesus is going through right now and he says, that's a shame that I'm not willing to be a part of. And so desiring to be avoidant, to get away from that shame, he ends up in turn not rejecting the shame, not despising the shame as Jesus did, but in turn, he ends up rejecting the Savior. Peter says, absolutely not. I don't know this man. I have nothing to do with him. I was not around him. Finally, he starts to curse. He gets so mad that he begins to cuss about it. He says, by no means was I associated with him. Because he doesn't want to bear that shame. And in doing so, we read just how much shame he ended up having to bear. Mark 14, verse 72. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Peter realized in that moment, he realized that the shame that he was afraid of, the shame that he should have been rejecting, it was nothing compared to the shame that he started to feel. The shame that would have been brought on by the people of the world is nothing compared to the shame that he felt when he realized that he had betrayed and he had denied and rejected the Son of God. As Christians, we are called, obviously, to reject the shame as Jesus did. But what does that look like? What does it look like for us today, in 2021, coming out of a pandemic, what does it look like for us to despise or reject shame? Well, number one, it looks like focusing on what Jesus focused on. And that is the glory that awaits us, the joy that is to come. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As he did, he went to the cross and for the joy that was set before him despised its shame. It starts there. Where is our focus? And secondly, I think it starts with how are we dealing with our weaknesses? Are we okay with them? Do we like to hide them away? Do we like to shove them aside and say, no, 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 I'm not weak. I don't want to be associated with weakness because in our culture, weakness is shameful. Does it look like saying, I am never falling short. I am never in the wrong. I do not struggle 
with sin? I don't think so. I think as Christians, we ought to look at it the way Paul describes it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, Paul starts to talk about how we can continue on boasting. He says, if anyone has any reason to boast, it's probably me. He says, I could continue on and tell you all about the things that I've experienced, or rather he says that he knows a man who's experienced them. But listen carefully to what he says. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, this is in verse 7, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood something about being a follower of Jesus. He understood that there was some shame that was naturally going to be associated with us while we are here on this earth. And he says, I am willing to bear or really willing to deny and, and reject that shame because I know the glory that awaits me. As Jesus went to the cross and rejected the shame associated with it, we as his followers ought to be willing to reject the shame associated with our weaknesses so that we can say as Paul did, that for the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, dare I say even shame. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 10, we are fools for the sake of Christ. May that be true of us. May the world look at us and claim that we are foolish. May they look at us and may they look and see our weaknesses and associate us with shame. But as his followers, we reject that shame. We don't allow it to have any bearing on us because of the joy that awaits us, the glory that awaits us as followers of Jesus as we continue down the path following him. May we look at shame and reject it as Jesus did. Because if we don't, if we choose to try and avoid that shame, what I'm afraid might happen is we will in turn try to avoid the shame and end up rejecting our Savior. May that never be the case. I'd encourage you this week, take some time. Reflect on even Philippians chapter 2. It talks a lot about this. Consider all the ways that you avoid shame. All the ways that you avoid being seen as weak. Now, I'm not saying that you need to call up to the church office and tell us all the ways that you've sinned this week. I'm not saying that at all. What I am encouraging you to do is to reach out to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Share your weaknesses with them. Don't worry about the shame. Reject that shame because in Christ we have grace. In Christ we share in the love that he has bestowed on us. When we're together, there's no shame. 
as the body of Christ, we reject the shame that the world throws at us. We are considered fools for the sake of Jesus because of the joy and the glory that awaits us with him one day. If you would, please bow with me as we close out our lesson. Father God, I just thank you so much for this story of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the gospel of Mark, the good news about Christ and his coming kingdom. Father, as this series comes to a close in just one week's time, Father, I pray that we will be excited to start another gospel. Father, help us to never stop being excited and eager to hear about the message of Jesus, to hear about our Savior, who rejected shame for us, knowing the joy and the glory that awaited him, God. And Father, may we as his followers reject that shame as well. May we choose to boast about our weaknesses rather than try to hide them. May the world look at us and consider us fools for Jesus' sake. Lord, be with us this week. Help us to reach out to those who are in our body, to share in our weaknesses together. And Father, most of all, I pray that this week we can look for ways that we try to avoid shame. And Father, I ask that you will give us the courage and the strength to not try to avoid it any longer, but to follow faithfully behind Jesus and reject the shame that the world would put on us. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this avenue of communication that we have. Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus and your Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus that we pray. Amen.